1: We don't bring any life at all
0: to the church. The church is is the life. It still gives us
1: the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
3: And welcome to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Tim Smith, and we're broadcasting from the heart of the Real Presence Radio Listening Network My name is Father Smith, as I mentioned, and I'm broadcasting from my home parish, Holy Cross Parish in Ipswich, South Dakota, one of the many locations for Real Presence Catholic Radio around the Upper Midwest, and we want to say uh, good morning to all our listeners, all our regulars, and if you're joining us for the first time or just... Passing through on a family vacation to the Real Presence radio listening area. We want to wish you uh, well and just enjoy the beauty and the glory of God's creation as you travel through our part of the Upper Midwest. And before we begin the great show that we have planned for today, let's begin with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father in heaven, we ask that you would continue to pour forth your blessings and bounty and goodness upon all our listeners who continue to seek to do your will each and every day. We ask that you would strengthen us with the grace of the Holy Spirit so that we would be inspired to do your will and be strengthened with every heavenly blessing. We ask all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, uh, here at Real Presence Radio, every day, weekday, we like to highlight the great things that are happening in Catholic life around the upper Midwest. And uh, we have so many great uh, frequent guests and, and regular contributors to the show. And this morning, I'm grateful to welcome one of my brother priests to Real Presence Live. Father Jordan Sampson. Father Sampson is the priest of Christ the King Parish in Sioux Falls, Christ the King School, and as well as a vocation director for the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls. He works with a team of individuals to help men in their discernment of the priesthood and also um, to guide and lead young women to religious life and consecrated life in the heart of the church. Father Jordan Sampson, thanks for being on with us this morning on Real Presence Live. Pleasure. Pleasure. And uh, Father Jordan, you know, we're now getting into uh, this end of August. We've just celebrated uh, the glorious Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in our parishes. And I have to say, it was a welcome reprieve to be able to have that holy day on a Sunday this year. um, So I could kind of enjoy the summer weather here. And uh, now we also get into the time of year where there are uh, regional fairs, county fairs, people are... Are starting to do their back to school shopping, if not having already completed that, and so we're starting to gear up as we look for the fall and there's so many things that that need to be done uh, in our in our lives, uh, particularly in our lives as priests so Father Jordan, mm-hmm. I mentioned a few things uh, what give us a little snapshot for our listeners again. Um, even even though you're a returning guest to Real Presence Radio, give give us a little snapshot about your life as a parish priest. Who you live with, what you do, what's what's your life like?
1: Ah, uh, sure, sure. Well, I'm a parish priest. Uh, I have uh, a parish in the heart of Sioux Falls, Christ the King. Uh, we have an elementary school, and I live with three other priests, which is a great privilege in the city to, to have that fraternity, have that brotherhood. Um, they do other things, other missions, you know, at the hospital, Gorman High School. But uh, to have that common life is a, is a great gift. Um, but, yeah, parish life and then vocations work. It takes up a good chunk of my time. Whenever I uh, get a chance to get away, I do. But uh, otherwise, yeah, living life in the parish is a great joy.
3: Well, you know, myself as a parish priest and out. Uh, there Participating in other ministries and in apostolic works in the life of the church, there are always unexpected things that can uh, come into our lives, or or things that perhaps we didn't even anticipate when we were uh, praying and, and listening to Jesus invite us into the call of the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some? Of, you know, those, you mentioned some of those things that are that are on your plate, uh, vocations, work. Um, also, you know, being. A school administrator as well uh, with an elementary school on your parish grounds. Of course, there's Mm -hmm. so many uh, upcoming needs. Funeral ministry, uh, um, helping, uh, taking care of those who are sick and infirm. You know, there are things that we don't anticipate. Tell us about, uh, in particular, uh, what are some things that you didn't anticipate when you became the pastor of Christ the King. What are some other uh, responsibilities that we don't think about often that that fall to the pastor of the parish?
1: Oh, boy. Yes. Uh, Administration. I mean, I just think, like, administering a a parish, There's all of a sudden, you know, I'm having budget meetings, and I'm not necessarily trained for that, but I've got a lot of good help, a lot of good people around me that can uh, give me their insights, their expertise. Um, and at the same time, you know, you're the pastor. You have to make those decisions. You have to look at those uh, that paperwork and, and decide it. Um, yeah, it's a great life of uh, living in the city of Sioux Falls. I mean, you get involved in a lot of the the, the ministries that are going around that are citywide, not necessarily your parish. Um, so, yeah, uh, I enjoy I enjoy it. But there's uh, it's surprising sometimes uh, the things you're asked to do. <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah you never well, know what's going to
3: happen someday <laughs> and and also the things that can kind of fall by the wayside or or maybe don't get as much attention as yeah. we hope hope they will and uh, particularly in the area of uh, we think about the the works of mercy in the church mm-hmm. uh, caring mm-hmm. for the sick caring for those who are homeless who who need to have those social ministries but also we we one of those corporal works of mercy is burying the dead and caring for those who have died. And in my own life as a parish priest, I have uh, four cemeteries that are under my responsibility. Uh, Two of them are active cemeteries, and then two of them are cemeteries that no longer have uh, burials or committals in them. However, they're historic cemeteries, and so in order to honor the dead, we continue to do perpetual care for those properties, and that includes the groundskeeping, but also to make sure that they are safe, free from any vandalism, but also just to make sure the properties are accessible for the faithful who want to honor their ancestors. You know, tell us, uh, Father Jordan, about your life in Sioux Falls uh, with your brother priest. How does uh, caring for the dead, how does that, what does that look like for you um, when you're in a metropolitan area where there's more cemeteries and, and more of that work? What are some of those outreaches sure. that you can do?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I I really love funerals. And I would say that as a priest, like, I love funerals uh, because it's a great time of ministry for those who sort are of mourning. Uh, it's a great service to that family. And, you know, in Sioux Falls, we have one Catholic cemetery and then the city one. Uh, so we, uh, we all use that Catholic, you know, cemetery pretty frequently, and it's well taken care of. Um, and, and no one parish owns it, right? We all contribute to it. And so it's not under my care directly. Um, but then I heard of this cemetery that's run by the county. Uh, the county cemetery is called often referred to as the Popper's Graveyard. Hmm. And so uh, that's where uh, I never heard about it before uh, until just this random conversation with the funeral home director. I've never been out there. I've never been, I have never did a burial out there. Um, and so I was just really interested, especially when he said this is where the the unclaimed or the poor go to get buried when nobody is there to, to pay for a funeral, to pay for a burial. Um, they, the county has, a, I guess, a responsibility to to provide a burial. And it's, it's minimum. It's minimum maintenance. Uh, it's, they're doing as least as they can do just to find a place for them to be buried. So uh, I was just really intrigued by that concept and, and kind of like my heart went out to that those people like that are uh, unclaimed. That word, too, is is kind of striking to me. Um, So, um, yeah, I've been giving a little bit of attention to that, me and my brother, Priest, uh, who kind of entered into, well, what can we do to to care for um, these souls buried in this this county-run cemetery?
3: For our listeners uh, who are joining us here on Real Presence Live, we're speaking with Father Jordan Sampson. We're talking about uh, the Corporal Worker of Mercy of care, Caring for the Deceased, and particularly those who are buried in the Pauper's Graveyard in Minnehaha County. And wherever you're joining us from, if you're in North Dakota or Minnesota, I'm sure there's a similar, uh, either a civil or even a church outreach that provides this to those who are in need. Father Jordan, you know, who are the people that are buried in the Pauper Cemetery? Um, you know, how do... Do you, have you heard any of the stories of, on how the, some of these uh, people have come to find this as their place of rest?
1: Sure, sure, yeah. There's still about seven or eight burials there a year, uh, even now. But it goes back to like the 1890s, the beginning of the city of St. Falls, the beginning of the county, uh, the beginning of the state, really. And uh, I received, first of all, when my first contacts were made, uh, who the people who uh, manage the cemetery? Just a spreadsheet, an Excel form of their names, the date of their internment, and then maybe a brief description of of why they were there, why they were buried there, or how they died. And uh, a lot of those were uh, suicides back in the you know early eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds. A lot of them were uh, immigrants from various European countries uh, who maybe had no family. Uh, some of them, you know, as specific as. You know, got hit, got run over by the car, you know, like kind of the new concept of a car in the early 1900s, they were run over by a car. Hmm. Um, And so, just, um, or or children, babies, you know, there's some babies out there um, that that were buried. So it's just the son of Mrs. Johnson, you know, that's all it's that, no name even given. Uh, And even today, that's kind of the same concept. It's uh, the immigrants. Uh, Now, a lot of uh, African community people, um, Various religions. There's no one religion ascribed to uh, this cemetery, and so it's those who are just without the means to maybe uh, to get buried at one of the uh, private or maybe nicer, I guess you would label it cemeteries. And so they have these graves uh, here in this pauper's graveyard.
3: Well, it's a, it's a it speaks to the fact that even the civil government acknowledges this natural. Uh, commemoration of the faithfully departed and, uh, Mm -hmm. this honoring of their remains, uh, in our contemporary time, sometimes there's, there's a, uh, keeping death at a distance and the reality of death, particularly, uh, memorializing it through, uh, real burial services or honoring the body of the deceased. And, uh, not long ago, I was speaking with a parishioner. They once shared with me, they had a, a friend in college, who was in a panic mode because they had never attended a funeral ever in their life. And now someone in their family close to them had died. And it was such it was a foreign concept. And so this member of the church said, I will accompany you. Let me go with you to this funeral and I'll I'll share with you. I've been going to funerals my whole life and I'm Catholic in my church. This is something we this is part of our our Catholic culture that we we honor the dead. We pray for the dead. Let me be the one who shows you about this, this honorific the duty we have to pray for those who have dearly departed. So, um, yeah, and yeah. particularly, uh, we see this even expressed in, in things like the Pauper Cemetery. So, Father Jordan... Uh, we're gonna talk more about what you and some of your brother priests have been doing uh, at the cemetery uh, you know just before the break here, what did you find when you went there? obviously you see all these people from throughout history from over a century that have been buried found themselves in these circumstances how how has that moved you what what kind of thoughts has that provoked for you as a priest
0: mm,
1: Yeah yeah first of all uh, this this profound beauty that, you know, every life matters, and somehow, like you pointed out, even the even the city government maybe realizes that in some degree, uh, that life matters enough that it at least deserves uh, a burial spot, uh, and that these are stories that are often tragic, uh, often, you know, the, the poorest of the poor, and and yet somehow you know their life really matters, and that moved me uh, enough to, I love that recognition, uh, that even if your life didn't have, like, this great grand uh, conclusion or uh, even acknowledgement among your peers, like, their life still matters, their story still matters.
3: Yeah, there's a Latin phrase, uh, memento mori, remember mm-hmm. death, and uh, something that uh, it's, that, that memento mori is part of uh, classical art and literature, um, and it's it really resonates with who we are as human persons. And uh, so we're going to talk about how you've been remembering uh, those souls of the faithful departed. Uh, We're going to talk more about some of the outreach you and your brother priest have been doing with the Pauper Cemetery. And I want to encourage our listeners to stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. Father Jordan, we'll be right back. Stay tuned right here on Real Presence Live.
0: Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
2: Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says... By ways known to Him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence
3: Live. My name is Father Timothy Smith, and I'm broadcasting from Holy Cross Parish in the heart of the Real Presence Radio Listening Network, right here in the Aberdeen, Ipswich listening area. But also to all our Real Presence Radio family members throughout the Upper Midwest. I just want to say welcome back as we continue our conversation with Father Jordan Sampson of Christ the King Parish in Two Falls. Uh, Father Jordan, we were just speaking about the work of ministry that you and your brother priest have been doing uh, at the Popper Cemetery in Minneaha County, which uh, is in your parish boundaries with your your parish. Uh, your fellow parishioners, uh, we ha- there's a Catholic cemetery in the city, but there's also, uh, through the county services, a cemetery that provides free burial services for those who are unknown, uh, those who have little money, uh, the immigrants, the poor. Um, w- what are some other things that you discovered, uh, Father Jordan, in your visits to the pauper Cemetery?
1: Sure, sure. Well, uh, Father John Rutten and I went out there just to visit it, uh, Memorial Day of 2020, and I guess what we found, that was the first time I'd been there, and I guess what we found was kind of a minimum maintenance cemetery,
2: Mm. I
1: would say. Uh, The trees were pretty overgrown, the bushes are pretty overgrown, and then this whole field, this whole field of grass that I later discovered, like, is full of graves. Mm. (laughs) So uh, you you have a lot of marked graves, and then you have, I guess, I would say more unmarked graves. So, um, we just looked at it and said, you know, what, uh, with our community of priests that we have, um, a, a group that we have, what can we do? Is this a project? Is this something we could, um, contribute to? And, uh, yeah, we've been doing a, a few maintenance things, a few marketing graves, but yeah, uh, it's been, what we found out there was they just, yeah, that minimum maintenance does take care of it. They mow it. Um, but I, I don't think there's a, like a whole cemetery crew, you know, that's taking care of this place.
3: And sure, these uh, and for most of our listeners, I'm, I'm confident that this morning's conversation will call to mind their own parish cemeteries, uh, their own uh, family legacy gravesites or plots, and even the care and concern that they may have for them um, as a pastor and, and also the administrator of several Catholic cemeteries, um, I can be confident that this heightens the awareness. Oh, there's always so much because it's perpetual care. You mentioned some of these interments date back to over a century. And so how are things doing? And, of course, there's always the raising of monuments or lowering them. I, I'm confident because this is the pauper cemetery, you don't find very many, you know, thousand-dollar Large stone monuments. I imagine things are rather humble. Um, Are there any standouts or any uh, memorials or or placards that uh, ring out to you or or have any distinctive character?
1: You know, I would say there's less, seems like there's less regulation out there. So Mm. uh, you have a lot of people just decorating their particular grave uh, of their loved ones kind of to the hilt. You know, they'll put a bunch of rocks or a bunch of flowers over it. Um, but like I said, again, the county, I mean, praise God, the county is doing this service uh, for the poor. Uh, and at the same time, it's a its a county-run cemetery, so uh, there's not a there's not a crew that's cleaning things up or after that. And so um, any monuments that stick out to me, I mean, not really. It's just the fact that they're still plain, really. They're plain and uh, kind of unkept. Uh, so... And I, I don't, I don't know anybody out there. One of our brother priests, Brother Tim he he's done two burials out there because he works from uh, the Stanford Hospital, and so he had some experiences, some encounters with with people that were buried out there. And so that was striking to me that you know he was able to uh, actually be out there and, and do two two of those burials for those those people.
3: Well, it's certainly uh, you know those we talk about those. Uh, corporal works of mercy of caring for the body of the deceased persons, even after they have passed away. But we also see that some of those, uh, another one of the spiritual works of mercy is comforting the sorrowful. And so we can actually see that uh, in this work of ministry of comforting, bringing care and support to those existing remaining family members or friends who are able to mourn the loss of their loved one. Now, in our Catholic faith, um, honoring the dead, we have All Souls Day. Uh, typically, if it's the weather permitting, uh, the priest is able to celebrate Mass in a uh, funeral setting or a maus- mausoleum, or, of course, it's always fitting to have Mass in a parish church, but sometimes it's possible um, to pray for the souls of the de- dearly departed. Usually, we celebrate three Masses that day. Um, What are some of the spiritual activities that you and your brother priest have been doing for the souls of these deceased uh, human persons that are in the cemetery?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I think it's easy as a priest to just be like, all of my life is charity. (laughs) You know, like everything we do, you can count it off as charity. And So what is it that we do? um, I think this. I'm with this group of priests through the movement Communion and Liberation. And so uh, part of that is to do a charitable work um, together, right, that we have a communion with each other. And when we have communion with each other, uh, you want to go out of yourself. You want to do something more uh, for someone else, like to care for the other. And this was just seen as an opportunity. It was COVID. You couldn't really deal with uh, a lot of people in person at the time that we started this. And so we thought, well, what if this uh, cemetery could be a place where we could give of ourselves uh, over, you know, not just our parish, uh, which is a call of our whole lives, uh, but some uh, charitable work that we could give uh, to someone that's not necessarily, like, assigned to us as our our parish assignment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whenever we're out there, uh, we do end our time with a prayer for the dead, uh, just, a, you know, a quick Hail Mary, and then, uh, you know, those prayers for the dead, in you know, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And so uh, we always we do that, and pray for them. And then when our group meets, when our priests get together uh, once a month, uh, we are trying to say Masses for those deceased uh, that are in this cemetery, trying to go through that list from the very beginning, because we have all the names. Even mm-hmm. if we don't know... Where they're buried, uh, or sorry, the burial place is not marked. Uh, we have all their names, so um, we're trying to, to say a mass for for them. Uh, but there's over like 400 people buried there, so that that's taking a while.
3: <laughs> well, and that's right, but the, you know, in comparison to infinity um, and the glory of God that lasts forever, um, what a great work of mercy, uh, Father Jordan, for you and your brother priest. And for our listeners, Real Presence Live, if you're just joining us, we have Father Jordan Sampson. We're talking about the work of mercy uh, and also the charitable work that he and his brother priest have been doing um, in praying for the souls of those who are interred at the Pauper Cemetery in Minnehaha County, as well as um, just caring for the perpetual care for that government run cemetery for those who have little to no money for a burial and of course that dates back to well over a century father jordan as you talk about this work of praying for those um, i also think for our listeners wherever you're at in the upper midwest uh, so often and you've probably experienced this too father jordan where someone has someone that they love dearly they passed away they they come to the parish office uh, they've just settled their estate or, or their memorial Um, that they've received after their own funeral services and they may say father I have $1,000 I want them for masses for this particular person and of course what a great honor And, and we do pray for the dead we want to honor that request however uh, you know, the usual mass stipend, depending on where you're from, a diocese or a parish, um, is, you know, well, maybe a recommended uh, donation or offering of $10 a mass stipend. Well, that, that's enough masses for, for several several years. And also, keep in mind, we, we, we're, we're a community of faith, so we have many people that have requests to pray for the souls of their loved ones as well. So perhaps our listeners could be inspired. Maybe you want to pray and use those some of those memorial monies you could request a mass to your parish your parish priest um, or to other missionary societies and submit prayer requests for people that you read about in the paper that may have no one to pray for them. Or you can talk to your local funeral director and say, uh, you know, uh, Mr. or Mrs. uh, Funeral Director, do you know of anyone that didn't have a funeral or someone that, that didn't have much of anybody to pray for them? I would like to offer a spiritual work of mercy to pray for that person. I just want their first and last name. It could be nondescript, not to cause a controversy, but that you can pray for that person so that they can receive the spiritual uh, benefits uh, that are given to us through the offering of the sacrifice of the Mass. Just in a similar way, what you, Father Jordan, and your brother priest are doing, our listeners could participate in a similar uh, spiritual work of mercy by offering Masses and prayers for the dearly departed, as well as their own daily rosaries or devotionals listen to that movement in your heart particularly if you read about a story in the newspaper or an obituary and you feel called to pray for that person many times i've read the the obituaries father jordan i may notice someone i might say that looks like a catholic name it looks yeah. like they're not looks like they're not having a catholic mass for whatever reason and, and there's no uh, judgment or or ill will towards that but what i may do is i may just Uh, look them up and say, actually, they're a parishioner or they're they're related to the church. I see here there's a history, um, perhaps during their prolonged illness, it became difficult for them to continue the practice of their faith. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a Mass offered for that person. And so what a beautiful testimony, Father Mm -hmm. Jordan, uh, for you. Uh, Father Jordan, any last thoughts that you have for our listeners about how they can Uh, you know, they themselves can be inspired uh, to reach out to the margins like this. Mm,
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have to care for one another. I mean, that's just part of it. And and to understand the great spiritual value of of praying for our deceased, uh, I just know I've had people ask me, what is the least I have to do when I die? You know, what's the least thing I have to do? Do I have to have a funeral? And I tried looking that up, and I was like, we don't talk in that language. You get to have a funeral. We get Mm -hmm. to pray for you. There's a great privilege there Uh, to have those spiritual benefits. So, yeah, pray for our dead. Go to funerals. Go attend funerals. Attend funerals uh, of people that are on the margins, people you might not even know that well. But uh, it's great support to our community to uh, attend the funeral of a deceased person.
3: Well, praise God, Father Jordan Sampson. Thank you for joining us. Up next, we're going to be joined by one of those uh, helpers from the Catholic Foundation of Eastern South Dakota. They're going to talk about a golfing event which supports ministries in the life of the church stay tuned that'll be right back on real presence live don't go anywhere
0: live engaging and local this is real presence live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the real presence radio network